0: Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Father, we come before you and acknowledge your love for us. This as we sung about, just as we offered up to you the best that we can, Lord, but you've given us so much more than we could ever imagine. And we are so grateful. Help us to have grateful hearts, to be encouraged in this place, to feel your presence, to feel your love, to come into this place with whatever we have and to lay it down at your feet and trust it over to you, Lord. As you care about all things that are going on in our lives. You want to be active in everything that we do. And yet we hold things back from you for whatever reason. Not trusting you or ashamed of those things. Whatever it may be, God, I ask that we would lay those things down this morning. And trust you with them. And that we would leave here with a sense of freedom. A sense of new hope. A sense of uh, a lightened burden. Because Jesus, you say that if we come after you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so we want to live with, with light burdens and easy yokes. I trust you with our entire lives. I pray that we do that this morning. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen. Please be seated. Uh, as you see, uh, Bridget is is on vacation, which is great. I'm so grateful that she can get away with, with Pat, and um, so Sean came and, and helped this morning. So we're grateful for Sean to, to come and, and lead us in, in worship. Um, this morning, we've been going through a series on the book of Romans, chapter 12, and the reason we've been going through that is because I just felt like in my own heart, we as a community need to be reminded of what community is like. And that's what Romans 12 does. Romans 12, essentially, what Paul does is he talks about I- this is what community should look like. This is how we should function. This is how we should be. And uh, and it's been I, I think it's been really good. Uh, it's been good for us. It's been good for me. And I hope it's been good and a blessing for you all as well. Um, I had the the privilege of being away. Uh, I have family. I grew up in 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 the on the West Coast in California. Uh, we try and get out there every year to see our, our family. My parents are there. My sisters are there. Um, my wife's um, dad is there, and, and her sister uh, is there. And so we, we take that trip, and so we were, that's where I was. Um, I was here last Sunday, but, but the previous Sunday was when I was gone. Um, and then this week, uh, we had the opportunity to go up north into to Michigan to be with, with her side of the family, and that was a great thing. Uh, but whenever that happens... Uh, No matter what, uh, unlike other jobs, Sunday always comes, and so um, I was working actually ahead of time on the message for this Sunday last week because the the Kenya Mission team that did such a great job up here um, last week um, did that for us, and so I started to try and get ahead and work on Romans uh, 11 and 12 and uh, was was making progress and and was really excited about what I was going to talk to you guys about and and I was driving up um, by myself, because the family had already gone on Sunday afternoon, and I wanted to hang out for the encounter night, which was fabulous, by the way. Um, my, my friend Micah Sutton, uh, a pastor at Five Lakes, came and, and shared, and, and uh, if you haven't been to an encounter night, you need to, you need to come. Um, they are quite an experience and really encouraging time to, to worship and to learn more about the Holy Spirit, and we're having them Sundays, the last Sunday of every month, so we'll have the, the next one at the end of August. Um, anyway, so I'd worked on the message, had, and normally I'd, I'm not that organized. Normally I'm working on the message for the week for that coming week, um, and, uh, and the week is always enough, and God always provides the daily bread. But when I was um, driving up to, to northern Michigan, it was about a five-hour drive, and I was starting to think about, okay, I need to kind of engage here. Um, so I was planning on every morning getting up early and working on the message to prepare for Sunday. But I was like, well, I've already done a good amount of it. You know, I was, I was more than halfway through, so I was excited to have some extra time, uh, maybe an extra half an hour to sleep in in the morning. And as I'm driving up, God said, I, d- I want you to talk about something else. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Um, I was like, okay, what do you want me to talk about? And uh, he said, very clearly, I want you to talk about the orphan spirit. Now, I don't know if I've ever heard that term before. We just sang about it, the orphan heart, in this song. and But it was almost like as the Lord kind of shared that with me, right away I knew what it was. And I also you know, did some reading about it, um, listened to some messages about it, started to dig into the scriptures to, to see where it, it was coming from. Um, but it became more and more clear as I... Studied and as I dug deeper and deeper as to why this message had to be said to Washington Church. So whether you're listening at home or you're, you're sitting here or you're even visiting, what I'm going to share with you is going to be very challenging, but it needs to be said and it needs to be heard. And it's one of those things that I think we need to say to each other and wrestle with probably for the rest of our lives, but we need to become aware of it because I want to give a name to a lot of what keeps us down, and keeps us from, from living fully into what God has for us. I have walked with people for a number of years, um, cause, so immediately when God said, I want you to talk about the orphan spirit, right away I started to think about people I've known who've been adopted. And if you've ever had a friend who's adopted somebody, or maybe yourself has been adopted, you know that there, there is this, this pull on, on those who have been orphaned, their life uh, struggle for the rest of their life. There's challenges with feeling loved. There's a feeling of, of abandonment. Why did my parents let me go? Why, why did they surrender me at some point? Um, and I, I've known people for almost 20 years now and that still struggle with this. This is a very real thing, even into adulthood. Uh, and yet for those who grew up in, in healthy families with healthy parents, um, sometimes we can struggle to feel love, but not to the same extent. <clears throat> carrying this sense of unworthiness unworthiness um, often when love comes pushing it away or keeping it at bay feeling feared of being abandoned uh, again and so that struggle is very real and there's an element of alienation that comes with that and isolation that comes with that feeling like you're alone even with <coughs> even if you have a loving family that surrounds you still feeling like you're alone and that has worked its way into the church that spirit, that sense when it comes to our relationship with God. If you go back to the garden with Adam and Eve in, in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, um, they, had, they were in perfect unity in relationship with the Lord. They made a choice because of temptation, and they thought there was a better way, a different way, and so they took that way. In that moment, they became orphaned. They were separated, not severed, but the relationship between humanity and the divine had, had been crumpled. And tainted. And also in that moment, every other human being became orphaned because of the choice that was made in the garden. And the one who tempted them, Satan, we call him, we give a name, the deceiver who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, was the first orphan that ever existed. And his desire is to make every single person feel like an orphan, feel like he does. And it happens all over the church. Happens in us, maybe even in you right now when you feel that way. And to make matters worse, in our contemporary setting, we grow up in broken houses. And so we have parents that get divorced and we have fathers that are not around. And so that perpetuates that essence of that orphan spirit even worse. Because we don't have examples of healthy fathers that love us in the way that God wants to love us. And so we struggle with those things. And we struggle to understand that God loves us even greater, but we've never been loved in that way so we don't know how to receive that love and so we push away from that love. And that relationship becomes not what it should. Anne and I were in California and anytime I'm in, uh, in away from Washington Church, which is, which is not super often, I always try and attend worship someplace else because I just love to go and I always learn a lot from being uh, in other churches, the good and the bad, um, and I just like to show up and not have to talk and, and be expected to, to be in a role. And I could just be a normal person that sits in the pew and just appreciates the worship. And one of the worship services we were at, I got to go to two of them, and one of the worship services that they were at um, was a, a church like Washington, very similar in, in, in how they functioned and how they flowed. Uh, they met in a warehouse. Um, it's cooler to do that out in California. And, um, and pretty much it was the same, except everybody has sandals on. Um, instead of every other person this morning with sandals. Uh, and, and a lot of shorts are are being worn. But we were, were there and we were worshiping and, and there was a song that was up there and uh, and the lyrics were just absolutely discouraging. They just talked about humanity as this terrible thing. And these are, we're not talking about just humanity in general, but like believers in Christ. So we're singing these songs and, and we're basically like, talking about our wretchedness and our, our sinfulness and, and how terrible we are. And at one point I look over at Anne because the kids are in between us and I, I have this look and, and, you know, we've been married for, for 20 years now and so we can communicate without communicating, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, without saying a word, I should say. And I look over with this look of like, what is this song about? And she looks over at me of like, I know. And I couldn't sing, I couldn't sing I was like, I can't support this. I can't sing these words out loud because these aren't true. And I remember later the, the message was given and, and it was, uh, you know, I know this guy and, and we're friends and, and we went to the Philippines together and, and g- gave this pastor's conference together. So we, we spent lots of time together and, and he was preaching through, through unity in the body of Christ and community because community is suffering not just here but everywhere in the church because of covid And he was talking about John 17 and how Jesus was, his prayer and his desire is that people would be unified and be one as he is one. And then it gets to a point in John 17, I would encourage you to look this up on your own, where Jesus says, Father, I want you to glorify them as you've glorified me. Now think about that. Jesus is saying, I want you, Father, to lift up these followers of mine, and every single person that will come after them that believes in me and raise them up in the same way that you've raised me up. And not only raise you up, but glorify you. I don't think we have a clue as to what that means. And he got to that point in the verse and he said, well, of course this is not about humanity being glorified, this is about Jesus being glorified. And I thought to myself, no, it's not. It is about Jesus being glorified, yes, but it's also about humanity being glorified. And it's like he came up to the line and he stopped short because there's something about humanity that he wasn't okay with saying is being glorified in the same extent, in the same way that the the Father glorifies Jesus. And I thought to myself, no, there it is again. It's the orphan spirit. that keeps us short of, of receiving what God has for us. And so this morning as... As I share this with you, what I want to do is I'm going to go through details and characteristics of the orphan spirit. And I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to ask yourself, is this true of me? Do I feel this way? Do I struggle with these thoughts? Do these permeate my mind? Because I've sat with many of you. Almost all of you. And I know I've heard some of this language come from you before. And I've never had a way to name it until this point. And so as you listen, take it in, and as you hear a characteristic that that you feel like, yes, that's true of me, be aware of that, hold it up, and we're going to talk about what do we do with that, how do we combat that, because I'm telling you that is evil, it is not of the Lord. God doesn't hold us down. Throughout the scriptures, all the Lord does is lift us up. That's what Jesus did did for us, is to hold us up, and that's how God sees us. We have to learn to see ourselves in this way. So these are descriptions I'm going to go through. With an orphan spirit, you focus on your sin, your self-worth, your inadequacies of your faith. With the orphan spirit, you continue to see yourself in light of your sin and your need for God to save you. I'm here to tell you that that's already happened. Jesus took care of that. You question your salvation. I can remember as a kid, over and over, I gave my life to Christ when I was five years old. And I think I... Gave my life to Christ a hundred times after that because I, didn't, I wasn't sure if it was real. That's the orphan spirit coming in there and whispering in your ear, you're not enough. You're not good enough. It didn't take that time. You've got to do it again. You feel the need to remind others of their lack, of their sin and their worthlessness because you want to drag others down because you feel like you're down as well. You fail to take in and believe the truth of what God says is true of you. When knowing, knowing, doctrine becomes more consuming than the relationship with the Father. That's the orphan spirit. You're more concerned with getting to heaven than allowing heaven and the kingdom of God to reign here on earth. You're unable to rejoice in the success of others if it does not benefit yourself. You struggle to do ministry for ministry's sake because you want the attention of the Father and you want gratitude for what you're doing rather than just using your gifts to glorify the Lord. You're unable to recognize the inheritance that you've been given by God. You struggle to believe that God loves you for who you are and you feel like you have to do something to earn that in some way. Amidst a mindset that believes that we have to work on our salvation for it to hold or to be real, We feel unworthy to ask God for blessings or gifts or spiritual gifts because we feel like we don't deserve them. The orphan spirit has a lack of self-esteem. Those with an orphan spirit have a hard time loving and accepting themselves. And when this begins to permeate itself into our lives, because it affects all of us, there's nobody here that this doesn't affect. I have to deal with this. It's the whispering voice. See, Satan speaks to us in much the same way that God speaks to us. See, Satan mimics God and much of what he does and how he comes to us. It's not this blatant thing right in front of us that's blaring. It's this quiet whisper that's planted, or that seed that's planted in our mind, and that seed begins to grow and take hold. And then what happens is one thought becomes two thoughts, and two thoughts becomes three and four and five, and pretty soon we feel really bad about ourselves, and we end up staying in bed instead of getting up Sunday morning and showing up here to worship. Or going and getting, waking up to pray and spending time before the Lord because we feel like we're unworthy. Or what's that going to accomplish? What's going to happen? Or we open our scriptures and nothing comes out of it, and so we get frustrated, and so we give up. All those are characteristics of the orphan spirit. So it begins to affect us as people, it affects the people around us, it affects our relationships with our spouses, it f- reflects our relationships or infects our relationships with our friends, our coworkers, it permeates everything. And it begins to dominate our thought life. And it can happen like that. If we don't do anything about it. And our relationship with God becomes unwhole and compromised. And it becomes hard for us to read scripture. Hard for us to worship. And it doesn't stay in our lives. Because it affects the church. Because you are the church. And so when you show up here. And you're wrestling with that. It it spreads. And things and issues arise in the church. There was a reaction um, that I heard about, and this is not a major thing, just a small thing, but as, as I sat with this idea of the orphan spirit, it becomes easier and easier to name. And several Sundays ago, as we're going through this series on Romans 12, uh, we, we got to the point where Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. And I thought, instead of going into the spiritual gifts, which, which I'd, I'd love to do maybe in the fall, go through an entire series on the spiritual gifts, I elected instead to invite people up to share about their journey through the, those spiritual gifts. All three of those people happened to be working uh, with the gift of prophecy, which is something that's new to us at Washington Church, something that's new to me. I'm still trying to figure that out. And I was super encouraged by their willingness to get up here and to share, and I thought they did a fabulous job, but some of the feedback I got from people was, Washington Church only values prophecy now. Or are the other gifts important or I don't even know if I have a gift, or, or I don't think I do have a gift, or just all these things start to flood because we started this conversation on prophecy. I'm here to tell you we're going to talk about all of them in great depth and detail. And that to the best of our ability, we're going to help you find yours, because that's what churches should do. But just that reaction and that mentality, that's the orphan spirit struggling with their sense of value, sense of worth. And see how quickly it can permeate through a body of believers and be destructive. But that's not what God intends whatsoever. Because we all have gifts. See, the orphan spirit is a battle of the mind, is what it is. The, war, the battlefield takes place up here. And that's why Paul says we have to renew our minds at, in Romans twelve two. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when you renew your mind, you're, you're experiencing a transformation that takes place. But we have to be aware of that. See, it's all about identity and transformation. By being sold on my unrighteousness, the enemy has disengaged me from effective service. If I'm so tied up in my insecurities, what good am I to God? If all I do is get caught up in in my worth and my lack of worth or my my sinful nature, um, that was and that is true, Then I feel unworthy and I can't do anything moving forward. And I make myself unavailable to God to serve in that way. Or service comes with strings attached to it. We have to begin to see ourselves as God sees us. To realize our worth as God says that we are worthy. It's not the value of something measured by what someone is willing to pay for it. You think about right now that's gone on with COVID. There there are many things that, that have gone crazy in value. Homes is one of them. So if you uh, you own a home and you're going on Zillow and you're going, whoa, should I sell my house? Or cars. The value of cars have gone up. Anybody try to buy a car recently? Unless you're buying a new car, if you're looking at used cars, man, the the prices of used cars have gone way up. Uh, My son's into basketball cards. There's a basketball card that just sold for $4 million recently. No, a football card, excuse me. A piece of paper with a print of somebody on it. $4 million. Why? Why is it worth that? Because somebody's willing to pay for it. Right? So whatever somebody's willing to pay for dictates the worth of that thing. Are you tracking with me? So then let me ask you a question. What was God willing to pay for you? His son. Himself. What does that say about your worth? More than a baseball card or a car or a house. Everything. Do we see ourselves in that light? Can you believe that God did a good enough job saving you that you're actually saved? Or is that something that you continue to have to wrestle with? I, I had to go through that as well. See, Jesus paid the ultimate price for us to make it possible to have a change in our identity. Shouldn't we begin to believe into the benefits that come with that new identity? As a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is what Paul says. See, the boldness we have is not about self-confidence. It's about the confidence in the work that Jesus did. And if we have confidence in the work that Jesus did, then we should begin to have confidence in ourselves. Because we begin to see our worth Through Christ, not what we can do, but what he has done for us. Which is priceless. See, confessing the truth that we are sinners in need of God requires no faith at all. Because it's the reality of what is. What requires great faith is to begin to believe what the scriptures say about us, which is true, is what God says about us. Which is all over the place. But I don't think we really realize what it What it says. Romans 6.13, to consider myself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Do we see ourselves that way? When we continue to entertain the thoughts of worthlessness or unworthiness, then we're failing to see ourselves as dead to sin and alive to Christ. Or we continue to beat ourselves up about our sin. That was our old identity. That's what used to be. But the work on the cross canceled that, and we are a new creation alive in Christ. So how do we begin to live as a new creation alive in Christ? rather than somebody who's bound by something else. Because again, if we remain bound, even as believers, even if we're freed, we can remain bound. That's how powerful this mindset is. Why Paul says our mind needs to be renewed. See, God believes that we are worthwhile, even when we don't. Doesn't it honor him more when we think of ourselves as free from sin because he said we are? We must rise up to the high call of God and stop saying things about ourselves that are no longer true. See, we are so much more than sinners saved by grace. That's what God says about us. See, Jesus conquered all things, the scriptures tell us. power of hell, the grave, sin, the devil. Isn't it time we stop allowing those things to control us in our lives? Do you see why we need to hear this? It was just me. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. I'm not making this stuff up. When you begin to read the Word of God as it's intended to be read, it brings freedom. It convicts us of our sin. Yes, that's part of its role. It needs to do that. The Holy Spirit does that as well. But it brings us into a new identity and a new way of being. It doesn't allow us to stay the same. It's not say yes to Jesus, give our lives to Christ, believe in in Him for our salvation, and then we just kind of hang out and wait for things to happen. That's not how it's intended to be. There are great things that are said about us. We're seated at the hand of God. The old man is dead, and the new one is alive. Scripture says, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. If you do not feel free, the Son has not set you free then there's things that need to be worked out and processed through. Scriptures also tell us that you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth and truth alone doesn't set you free. It's knowing the truth that sets you free. Truth can sit here all day long. If I don't embrace it, if I don't take it as my own, I'm not set free. It's just good truth, and I'm grateful for it. I have to take that into my very being and acknowledge that as myself and begin to live that out and act it out and believe in it, and then I am set free. Amen, Pastor Jimmy. Amen. So this is what I want to do. I want to share three scripture passages with you that are profound when it speaks about who we are in Christ. This is the word of God spoken over us. This is not Jimmy trying to puff you up or encourage you. This is what God says about us that is true. And then after I share these things with you, I want to give you some some steps of how to deal with those thoughts when they come into your mind, because they come into all of our minds. Because we need to name name them for what they are, because they are attacks on us and our very being. And after that, we're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray these truths over one another into reality for each other, to people you don't know. So that's coming, so heads up. So now's the time to get up and walk out of the sanctuary if that's what you need to do. Um, But I'll have the prayer team track you down and pray over you anyway, if you do leave. Ephesians chapter 1, and spend more time with this than we are this morning. Okay, go back over this in, in your own time. Listen to what is said of you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you feel like you're blessed with every spiritual blessing? Because you are. It's truth that's sitting there waiting for you to take on and take as your own. It's up to you to do it. The work has been done. Now you have to receive it. That's how powerful we are as human beings. We can do amazing things. We can stop the movement and the flow of God. God will find other ways to do it. But we can can stop it within our own lives. That's the amount of free will that God has given us. Because God doesn't want beings that are robots. He wants beings that freely love him. And so he gives us that choice to freely love him. In that same way, we have a choice to freely say no. Even as followers of Jesus, I'm not talking about saying yes to salvation. I'm talking about saying yes to everything else that comes with being saved. So you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. You have been chosen before anything existed to be in relationship with the Lord. Did you know that? That's mind-blowing. He also says to be holy and blameless in His sight. That's how God sees you. Holy and blameless don't we think it's time to see ourselves that way too? I'm not saying we don't sin. I'm not saying we don't screw up. But that is no longer our identity. It used to be. But it's not anymore. If we say that that's our identity as a sinner or our unworthiness, then we're negating the work that Jesus did on the cross. We're saying it's not enough. i got to keep coming back. So we sin, we make a mistake, and then we say, Lord, forgive me, and we are made right. We are set in that place, and we are seen as blameless. That's why every morning, that's how I start my day. Lord, forgive me. And help me to forgive others. Because that's what you asked me to do. Because those things are connected, and that's a different sermon. But it's crucial that we have both things going on. Forgiveness from the Father, forgiveness from one another. Both are intact and need to be there. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It is God's pleasure to take us on as children, not his burden. Christ didn't go to the cross because you weren't worthwhile. Christ went to the cross because you were worthy, and you are worthy because God made you and he put his image in you. That's why you're worthy. Romans eight seventeen. So at least we get one verse out of Romans this morning. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You are a co-heir with Christ. Everything that's been given to Jesus, every single thing to reign over, you are sitting next to him. It says co-heir. That means alongside, almost equal to. Do we see ourselves in that light? I don't think so. And if we do, we sure aren't, I'm not living into it the way I should be living into it. Think about that, to be a co-heir with Christ. This is how the Father sees us. This is why Jesus can say, Lord, Father, glorify them as you've glorified me. That's the extent to how the Father sees us and the extent to what the Father wants to lift us up into that place and desires us to live out of that place in our lives. And finally, Ephesians 4.13. Until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Your destiny is to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, to be like Jesus in every way. That's the goal of us, for us as humanity. Jesus is the model for what we are supposed to be like in every way. Humanity, divinity, merged into one, living in perfect relationship with the Father, submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit, doing whatever the Father tells us to do. That's what we're supposed to be like. And oftentimes, and this is a sermon for another day, we take Jesus and we put the life of of Christ as as we watched him and we go, wow, that's amazing. You did all these great things and I'm really grateful for that. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 come up here with me and join me in doing these things. Because everything that I have access to, so do you. But I think oftentimes we're content to let that be, or we're content to let ministry of those paid to do it do it, or missionaries, or pastors. You guys do that spiritual stuff, and we'll draft behind. No, 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 you are supposed to be on the front lines doing that as well. Fullness of Christ, co-heirs, all the spiritual blessings, all resides in you. So I as I was driving up to Michigan, and God said, audible on the line of scrimmage, it's a football term for those who don't do the football thing, or they change plays at the last second, I started listening to this song that Sean played last. And that phrase, the phrase in there, it says, my orphan heart was given a name. And then he goes on to say, I was released from my chains, a prisoner no more. My shame was ransomed. My debt was canceled. I'm called friend. Grace so free watch, washes over me. You have made me new. My life begins with you. Endless love pouring down on us. When death was arrested, my life began. I listened to that song for two hours straight. I go, repeat, repeat, repeat. How do I, how do I make it play again? Play. I just wanted to hear it. I wanted to hear that truth spoken over me because I needed to hear that truth spoken over me. And I just listened to it and I sang loud to it and I opened up the windows and the sunroof and I was... Just screaming from the top of my lungs, this is, this is true, this is right, this is real, this is me, this is who I am. And so I, I, I zoomed into staff meeting on Tuesday from up north. I said, Bridget, I have one request, you have to play this song. She said, I'm not going to be there, but I'll have, I'll have somebody else play it. I said, that's fine. And I said, I want you to play it twice. Once before the message and once after. So that we can sing it as people together, realize the truth of who we are, and continue to sing it. See, only when a person is healed of fatherlessness through the love of God is the orphan spirit broken. So they can begin to process of entering mature sonship. Sonship is so important that all creation groans for the sons of God to be revealed. That's what Romans 8.19 says. Why is creation groaning for the sons of God to be revealed? Because creation has a connection to God that apparently we don't have in that way, our own awareness. Because when the sons of God rise up and be who they truly are, then the earth will become what God intended it to be. And that's what creation even wants that and longs for that and groans for that. And the powerful thing about that is we're not talking about sons and daughters. We're talking about only sons, which we don't get in this culture and society. But back then, the son inherited everything. And all the rights belong to the Son. And so when Paul talks about that we are sons of the living God, he's talking about men and women. And the women are are elevated to the status of sonship. That means they get everything too. And so when some translations go in there and they try and correct it and say, say men and women or sons and daughters, that's actually incorrect because daughters wouldn't have had the same status that sons had. And Paul's saying, no, 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 everybody's elevated to the sonship. And everybody's seen in that equal light and in that equal way. It's powerful. but The orphan spirit cannot be broken. It can only be displaced because with love. So when, when we allow the love of God to come into us and, and we, we say, we're going to listen to this no more. And fear is driven out by love because what does the scripture say about love and fear? Love casts out fear. So we have to begin to allow God to love us in that way and believe that we are lovable. So the first thing that we need to do is this. We need to learn to believe that what is said about us is true. The truth that I spoke over you in this word is true. Now again, I'm not saying that we don't struggle with sin. I'm not saying that we weren't sinners, but I'm saying that's no longer our identity. Our identity is sons of of the living God, all of us, who believe in Christ. That's the invitation that we've been given. That's the first thing we have to do. We have to take in that truth and believe that that true, that what is said about us is true. So that's the first thing. The next thing is this, when the lies arise, they're often partial truths. That's what happened in the garden. Satan gave a partial truth. We need to recognize them, acknowledge them. Stop entertaining them. Stop thinking that they're true. Acknowledge them. It's happening right now. And my hope and my prayer is for you, after you've heard these words of truth, that when it arises for you, you recognize it and you do something about it. You don't just sit in the lies and don't allow the lies to take over you. So when you, when you acknowledge them, then you remember the source. God has no desire to tear you down with, with negative words that speak about you. Now there are times where God takes us into the desert and, and tears us down to build us back up, but it's always with a purpose. Satan always tears down to keep you down. Lord will, will bring us down to, to bring us up even higher than we were before, because that's how God is. If you ever, ever need to, to understand how God is, if you have children, think about your children. Would you ever barrage your children with negative input with negative messages on purpose to tear them down? If you do, "Mm. my wife's going to come for you. She has a thing about bullies. Of course not. So why would God do that to us? So when that comes, acknowledge that that's not of God. If it's not of God, it's coming from some other place and you need to deal with it. So speak against it. We need to begin to think in a spiritual mindset as we're followers of God. We live in a spiritual realm. The kingdom of God is at hand, brothers and sisters. We need to live as though that's true. There's all kinds of distractions keeping us from remembering that that's true, but we need to remember that that's true. And so then when that comes into play, we need to speak against those things. Next, we need to take ourselves back to the truth. Always back to the truth. We need to be spending time in the Word of God. Have to, have to, have to. And it's not that this is, every time I open it, it's, oh, I'm so encouraged and built up, because the Word of God should break us down. It it acts to convict us of our sin, but it's a purifying process. It's not to tear us down for the sake of tearing us down. Again, God might tear us down only to build us back up, but we have to submit ourselves to that. We have to be spending time in God's Word in order for that to happen, We need to be talking to God on a regular basis in prayer daily, 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 daily. And then I would say, I would add one last thing to speak that truth out loud. Don't just let it remain in your head. Say it verbally. If you're, if you have your quiet time at work, go find a closet where you can speak out loud where people don't want to institute you into some asylum someplace. And if they ask if everything's okay, say, no, I'm, I'm at war right now trying to work through some things. Will you pray for me and see what they say? Uh, I'll just leave you to your war. Okay, thanks. I can help you with yours later on, you could say. This is a very real thing that we need to be aware of and work through. Am I talking to myself or anybody else? Do you know what I'm saying? Raise your hand if you wrestle with this. Okay. We're all in this together. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for each other. Pray over each other. We're going to speak truth to each other. <clears throat> this is where it might get a little awkward, and that's okay. Church should be a place where, where we're stretched and pushed. Um, and, and this should be a normal thing. So I'm going to put this up on the, s- the screen. These are, these are elements of all the passages that I just talked about. And these are all truths about each and every one of us who have a relationship with Jesus. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are chosen and seen as blameless. You are co-heir with Christ. May you attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. These are desires. This is truth, but we want to see this truth not just remain as sitting right here, but we want to take it in and we want to know it for our own being and our own selves so we begin to live out of that truth. So that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. And I want you to find somebody that you didn't come with this morning or or is not in your family. And I want you to go walk over to wherever they are. It might be really close. or It might be really far. That's okay. But I'm going to lead us through this process. First, we're going to speak these words over each other. And then second, we're going to pray these words over each other and make them a reality. So you all got to move around. Okay? And, And let me add this one last thing. Um, Mike, Chbilsky, would you uh, be available over there for me in the back? If, if Before you jump into this, guys, if you've never had a chance to say yes to Jesus, if you've never given your life to Christ, or you don't see yourself as a son of God, Mike, I want you to go see Mike. If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, that's, that's what happens in churches, okay? Mike's going to pray over you and walk you through that, so I want you to take advantage of that. Mike, if you could raise your hand in the back. So if you want to go see Mike, go see Mike while this is going on. The rest of you, find your person. When you found your person, just uh, ra- let's do this. Everybody who doesn't have a person, raise your hand right now, so we can, we can pair you with somebody else, okay? So go find somebody who has their hand raised, and then when you find that person, put your hand down, and then I'll know that everybody has a person that they are praying with or praying for. Okay, one more here. Grace, you want to go? All right, perfect. Read? you need somebody? Okay, anybody else not have somebody to pray with right now? We're good. In the back. We good, Pat, you want to pray with Andre over here? Okay. So the first thing I want you to do, if you haven't, if you don't know this person, introduce yourself to this person. Okay? And then this is what we're gonna do. I want you to speak these words to them. Okay, one line at a time. And then I want you to shift to praying over them with these words, with this truth, and then you're gonna flip places and the other person who was prayed over is then going to speak those words and then pray over that person, okay? So that's what we're going to do. Go ahead and do that right now.
1: As some are continuing to, to pray, uh, we're going to go ahead and sing this
0: song again. Why don't you go ahead
1: and stay? Go ahead and stay with the person or the group that you prayed with. Go ahead and stay with that group, and we encourage you to worship together with, with those, uh, those individuals you prayed with as we sing this song. Just rose with our breath. Free-
0: We'll put it up on the screen. Let's speak it together and remind ourselves of who we are. It's part of why we do the benediction and part of why we wrote it out of the scriptures and, and what it says. It says, so let's speak this truth over ourselves. We are children of the living God, a new creation. We have been made alive in Christ. We are fully known, fully loved, and forgiven. We are the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth, and we have work to do. Go in peace. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.